another episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spiders, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Well, uh, once again, we, we enter the weird, uh, <laughs> or we, we keep moving through the weird, what would be the immediate lead up to the season that is no longer the immediate lead up to the season. Uh, so uh, we're going to cover, cover special teams this week. Have a uh, uh, special interview, if you will, to go along with that. Uh, the usual stuff. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we we very much appreciate that. Where wherever you find your podcasts, uh, you can find uh, the feed for the podcast itself on Twitter at the root at the roost pod, uh, and then of course the site itself is at at the roost. Uh, yeah. And then you know it feels like every time we hit stop on the record button something else happens of course yeah we're gonna have to start posting uh daily three-minute podcasts to uh you know that probably even by the afternoon that might not be up to date anymore so we have a a couple of rice rice items to hit the first one of course came after we recorded last week is that the september 26 game against lamar is not being played that has been canceled. I believe the uh, the official wording from both, or I guess Lamar came out at four o'clock on Friday and said that it was a, a joint decision. Rice echoed the scuttlebutt I got was with this being Lamar's only game and everything else. It kind of made it seem like uh, Lamar might have been the driving force behind this not happening. But either way, at the time of recording... That puts Rice down to a conference-only schedule starting on the first week of October. That would be at Marshall. So things could change. We will uh, keep y'all updated on that as it goes. But as of right now, there is football scheduled, and Rice has students back on campus. Yeah, they got uh, classes started uh, this week. Um, the The... Rice campus experiment seems to be holding up so far. Uh, they mostly successfully got through a week last week. The the students moved in this past weekend. The upperclassmen moved back in this past weekend, and uh, classes started. And they got those. You know, everyone made a big deal about those uh, when they reported they were going to have these tents on campus to have class. And everyone was like, "How how can you have uh, how can you have classes outside in August in Houston?" Well, they're a bit fancier than tents. Yeah, did you see as those it turned pictures? Out. Yeah, we'll have to go. I'll put I'll put the tweet in the in the post for uh, this podcast. But my goodness, that that was not just a tent. Yeah, well, and also I feel like there were reports when they first talked about this, that there would be like students would have to bring their own chairs or something like that. I did see bring your own chair. I I can't. But like that was clearly not the case because the pictures I saw had students in like normal classroom desks. So. That that solves another issue I, I had with the initial announcement. So good, good for them. We don't know. Of course, you, if you're if you're rice, you, you take the picture of the fancy tent, right? I'm assuming they're all fancy tents. This is rice. They sp- yeah. <laughs> who knows how many tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars they splurged on testing alone for the students. Yeah, I think we talked about last week when, when people were coming back on campus for a week, they had the the bubble set up. And instead of football practice, it was everybody coming in and getting their their COVID screening. 
They use the bubble to build their bubble, if you will. We're good. We're I'm on fire. Come back yeah. next week. <laughs> Please. We will still be Folks. here. <laughs> but yeah, either way, I mean, so far, so good. We've been talking to, as Rice has made all these plans and, and doing everything they get they can do to get everything back running up as smooth as possible. Things seem to be working. So it's good. You would, you would hope that the smart people can figure this out. And so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, and then our final piece of news for the week is that uh, probable starting center Isaac Klarkowski, who, if you don't know his story at this point, you clearly have not been paying attention to us or to the site or really anything around rice football at this point. But uh, uh, Isaac, who was a walk on last year and, and, and came on and started was an emergency starter late in the year and was great and uh, looks to be the starting center for this coming year is on scholarship now which is awesome. You, you kind of had to see that coming with, with the, the role he was set to play, but it's, it's good to get the confirmation of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I, I wrote something on the site that I, I put out again this week when, when I was able to confirm that, that story, it was in a, a team meeting over the weekend, or I guess on, on Friday, but that, so Isaac's first start came against North Texas and what would become Mike Bloomgren's first home victory over an SEC or SEC. Oh, I'm thinking about last week. Go go look last <laughs> week about how we talked about how Rice was going to be Arkansas next year. Uh, I'm channeling my my anti SEC winning for Rice, but <laughs> Conference USA West. Uh, Bloomgren's first Conference USA West victory over North Texas, which was important for several reasons Bloomgren came to the podium and the first thing he said was I want to tell you about our walk-on center Isaac Klarkowski like didn't talk about the major win didn't talk about the two-game winning streak all first for the program he talked about the walk-on center which I think at that point was pretty indicative of how incredible he had been and limited I mean literally it was a an hour-long training session with with Brian Chafin in a hotel room for the the game plan for that week, and then throw throw you in and let's go, which uh, you could give me any amount of training at any position on the team, and I could not, uh, you know, stay alive for four quarters, let alone, you know, play up to a scholarship level. So congratulations <laughs> to him. It was it was pretty cool watching all of the reactions. Uh, players and stuff sharing and in quote quote tweeting that and talking about the impact he had on the program because you know every coach handles walk-ons a little bit different but Bloomgren has, has and his staff have been particularly adamant about not broadcasting who's on scholarship and who's not so earning scholarships in moments like this like we had a Ari Broussard did last spring they're just the really cool moments so bummed that it was kind of me putting this out through the internet and not something <laughs> uh you know i'm maybe there's a cool video i'm sure there is that the the program will put together but I, either way uh, always nice to have fun news i feel like we haven't had as much fun news lately yeah so that was cool. yeah your your bit of heartwarming for the day yes and now rice has a pretty clear i would say line of sight at Clarkowski being a fixture on this offensive line, I mean, for the time being, redshirted last season, so he has four remaining years of eligibility, and 
that's nice on the offensive line. Actually, if they play this year, it would technically be five years of eligibility. This is true. Yeah. So Klarkowski could be Rice's starting center over a period spanning six years. Hey, I'll take it. Not bad for a walk-on. You would take that out of a scholarship guy. Yeah, no, Which no. I guess he is. So we talked about him more. Go skip back a couple episodes into our offensive preview. And we have all of your offensive line, fullback, wide receiver, tight end. We even hit on quarterback a little bit. Yeah, but eh, quarterbacks who needs them. Somebody. <laughs> Actually, we hit on Rice getting a starting multi-year starting quarterback last week as well. So really what we're telling you, if whether or not there's football, <laughs> you can go back to the last couple episodes and, and catch up and and you'll have your, your fill. But. We uh, have have one more position group to hit on before we have wrapped up our, our preview portion of the extended continuing offseason. Yep. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll hit through the special teams real quick. Um, the uh, really a whole new group, I guess, in terms of the kickers um, at punter, you're probably looking at Charlie Mendez, uh, who was a red shirt who redshirted last season. So will now be a freshman. Yes, and I I'm really excited about Charlie Mendez, which I, I was I was going through and, and looking and you have, you know, Jack Fox, who we will have on in just a minute to talk about the latest happenings and everything going on with his pro career. But you have an NFL caliber punter and he hands it off to Chris Barnes, who this is has been a, been brought up. I'm sure the Owls net punting actually was was better with Chris Barnes than it was with with Jack Fox which is pretty good and of course they had Adam Nunez doing more of the directional kicking so that was that was part of it but if you can go from success at that level and and turn it over to a redshirt freshman I feel like it would be natural to be a bit skeptical but as I've kind of and I'm I'm not going to sit there and say that I've watched every punt that that Mendez has ever kicked in his, his practice sessions. But in the limited time we did get in spring, this guy's got a leg, so he's going to boom it. That much I know. The, the difference that I've seen between where, where he was when Chris Barnes left off and between Jack is, I think Chris and Jack were both pretty like ridiculously consistent. Like, they didn't really shank anything. Like those two might have had like maybe what two or three shanks over like three years combined after 150 punts. Uh, that's the area where you're going to have to just like you're, it's a young kid that's that's learning to kick under the lights with people running at him. And I was going to say with crowds yelling, but maybe not. That's <laughs> that's still TBD. Not but, this year, especially. Yeah. But it's been strange because every. You've kind of seen reports coming out. I don't at least some conference USA schools like I believe oh, Charlotte said no fans for their opener. UTEP has okayed fans for the season. I think their number was like 18 percent capacity at the Sun Bowl or something. So it's really strange. I don't know what Rice is going to do. I'd probably if I had to guess, I would say that things would be limited. But who knows? So maybe yeah. fans. <laughs> But either way, that's you're just going to have to roll with the, you know, take your lumps and, and the consistency is something he's going to have to learn. But 
from a talent perspective, I I'm pretty confident in 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 Mendez, and I think it's telling that that Rice did bring in a specialist this offseason who can punt, but from the onset, this is this has been Mendez's job all offseason and continuing into the spring. And I I, I would be surprised if uh, he doesn't finish out through the course of the year, you know, assuming health is is the Al's primary punter. Which, you know, if you can't have consistency at quarterback, you will take consistency at punter. Right? Yeah, I mean, and Rice has certainly had a lot of it uh, going back, you know, even... Even to when I was a student at this point, I don't, I don't know what magic sauce we have that we keep managing to land uh, <laughs> land good punters, but uh, I'll keep taking it. About to say the the great punting legacy at South Maine. How many do you have to get? Like if you hit like, you know what, three or four like above average to great punters over like a ten year period, do you get to claim that? <laughs> Uh, punter you punter you if you will yeah I mean, somebody's got to take it i'd roll with it so we got we got charlie mendez at punter and then the other guy that i alluded to who who can punt is is colin riccatelli and special teams coordinator drew sabota kind of talked a little bit they have this kind of like uh incoming class dinner welcome meet all the freshmen kind of deal where they go through all of the, all of the film and highlights to get everybody excited for like some season ticket holders and things like that and, and Sabota did show i think what the three collegiate field goals that that riccatelli has <laughs> has kicked in the film session you go from linebackers making an illustrious high, highlight reel yeah all, all of the the big moments and then he puts them through the pipes and i was like this is good that's, hey, uh, that's what you wanted to do. Want him to do, right? This is all we need. And the the reason that he only had three kicks, and and I thought I I laughed a little bit when Sabota said this, but I get I kind of holds some water. He compared him to Joe Burrow, who left Ohio State, <laughs> <laughs> who left Ohio State because he couldn't get on the field behind an, an NFL quarterback and transferred to LSU, and then had the greatest collegiate season in the history of the sport. Which I don't think is the expectation for. I mean, I don't. What would what would it take to have the gr- the greatest kicking season? Like nail, like go like twenty seven of twenty seven with like yeah three like game winners, thirty of thirty with some game winners and like uh, multiple fifty plus yard kicks, maybe a sixty yarder in there somewhere. All right, so that that's the standard. <laughs> I don't know if he's got that kind of range, but yeah, maybe uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, comes here after having sat at Stanford behind the, uh, just incredibly named Jet Toner, uh, perhaps one of the few college football players in the country whose name could also be an office supply. If you find another one, I I need to know. (laughs) Stapler McDesk, like... (laughs) That's what if if you had a guy on your team named Stapler, what what position would he play? Oh, offensive tackle. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like bookended by. 
Oh, I don't know. We'll we'll think of it. Office supply, offensive line names. You know, yeah. if we go long enough and we need more content, <laughs> we could get there. Um, but yeah, so for those who don't follow Stanford football religiously, we forgive you. This is a Rice podcast. But Jet Toner, multi-year, Pac-12, all, all everything, all-conference player, fantastic kicker, specialist, uh, one of the best currently at the collegiate level and, and probably one uh, going to go get down and get some more Pac-12 honors. Well, I was going to say Pac-12 honors this season. That's not going to happen since the Pac-12 is not playing. Yeah. So good move, Colin, coming to Rice, where currently you still at least have a hope of playing a season. But but yeah, so that was the Joe Barrow comparison behind Colin Riccatelli was not saying that he's going to go be a number one pick in the NFL draft. That would be awesome. But just kind of he, he's a really talented guy with a, with a good leg who, you know, you can only play one kicker at the same time. Well, I say that Rice tried the Hayden Tabola Jack Fox arrangement. What, two years ago and worked out pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I think I think Hayden Tabola was actually like ten for eleven, or something like that. He he was really good, and they of course Fox's average was a little bit lower because they brought him all for like the fifty three yarders. Right. Yeah. If you're gonna have a guy at that's officially the short field goal kicker, that guy be pretty better be pretty accurate because you know if if you're coming out there to only do the like the thirty five yarders and in like what, and you're not hitting almost all of those, I I'm not sure you're adding a whole lot of value as a kicker. The short field goal kicker. This is good. <laughs> We're coming up with uh, alternative uh, position names and uh, alternative positions. Hey, Phil Steele has long snappers ranked, so I'm pretty sure he could he could split them up if he needs more content into short range kickers and long range kickers. <laughs> you know they have pro style and dual threat quarterbacks. Why not this short is kickers true. and long kickers? And they have Aussie punters and regular punters. So. All we're saying is missed opportunity in college football position classifications. But, you know, we're here for the hard hitting stuff. And then uh, I, I go ahead. Yeah, the last the last dedicated specialist position is the aforementioned long snapper. Cam Riddle, which Phil Steele, I, I, I did mention, did rank. He was a second team all-conference USA long snapper, which I'm sure he grinded the tape. Knowing <laughs> Phil Steele and how like rigorous he is, like there's at least like a 50% chance he's watched like some long snapper tape. Yeah, yeah, it's distinctly possible. Uh, maybe maybe charting launch angles. Uh, I want that know, in my next spin my on next the ball, tactic. that sort of thing. That's what I'm missing. You know, if, if you have any ideas, if you if you have grabbed the season preview and you like it and you have some recommendations, if you think I should put kicker long snapper launch angles, I I mean, if they let me at the game, I'll go stand there on the sideline and chart it myself like I'm that ready for football. So that's the the last dedicated specialist. I think the only other thing just to do our due diligence that we should should mention is we have the return positions. Uh, Austin Trammell got all conference honors at punt return by, I mean, I think it was Athlon and Phil Steele and everybody else. So punt return is, is locked down for sure. And then kick return. I, 
it's probably up in the air. Somebody fast. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely you you definitely care about pure speed a little bit more at the kick returner position as opposed to punt returner who generally needs to maybe have more reliable hands and you maybe kind of want shiftier, more reliable since the the coverage is going to be on top of you right when you when you catch the ball. Um but I don't know. Uh you know, we're talking about speed. Zane Knipe would be a possibility there. Um maybe one of these very fast freshmen that we've just brought in. Uh, but yeah, we'll see there, I guess. Yeah. Typically how Rice has handled it in the past is basically when they, when they split out and do special teams drills, uh, roughly every group gets assigned something. And the, the primary return guys in the past couple years have been the running backs and the wide receivers. So that's who you'll probably see. Uh, I think you're going to see Zane Christian McStravick was a a big return guy in in high school out of Houston before he went to Boston College. So uh, he will that he transferred in this offseason and and he'll get a crack at it. Austin Trammell, he was kind of the, you know, reserve break the glass utility man. Like if you need somebody to feel that he can do it. So he'll be in there. And then, you know, once you get to running backs, um, you got you got several new guys to choose from so somebody will emerge i i have no doubt uh kobe campbell i maybe i don't know if we mentioned him him and juwan king i think could both be interesting options there so somebody in uh i just i want to see a touchdown from somebody that would be nice anybody special teams touchdowns we love them i i would not bet on it happening because that's hard to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's possible. We'll give you a uh, a, a, a Rice Roosty Award for whoever returns the first kick. Just <laughs> coined. But I think that's, uh, that's all we got on the special teams front. So we've covered offense, defense, special teams. And now bring it on. Turn it over to our, our interview, I suppose. All right, and we are now here with former Rice punter slash kicker and uh, who's currently in training camp with the Detroit Lions, Jack Fox. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, glad to be on the show, guys. And as you'd mentioned in our, our, our pre-show chat, it has been exactly one year, and uh, I am recording from the same closet in my house <laughs> with... Uh, my same random assortment of hats and such, but uh, you've been much busier. So uh, can you uh, give us the uh, the rough overview of, of what your your last year has been? Because I, I think the last time we talked, you were in training camp with the Chiefs and then practice yep. squad and non-practice squad. And then you've been feels like all over the world, maybe. So uh, where have you been and, and where are you now? <laughs> and what's life like for you, man? Yeah, man, it's been a crazy year. But uh, I guess all part of the journey. So, yeah, last year when I was talking to you, uh, I was in a dorm room at Missouri Western University at training camp with the Chiefs. Um, did preseason training camp there. Ended up getting released at the end of preseason. Uh, signed back on the practice squad with the Chiefs for like a week and a half. Um, was on uh, – got, got released there. Um, actually, the, the day I got released from the Chiefs practice squad, they didn't have any flights back to St. Louis that night, so they called me an Uber from Kansas City to St. Louis. 
the first time <laughs> I got cut in the practice squad. So that was kind of interesting. From so they, there, but they, they at least got you an Uber. Yeah, they so got me, you they, can they, leave they now. Said I could, they said I could wait till the next day and get a flight. So I was like, man, like I can just take an Uber if you guys are willing to pay for it. So <laughs> called it, called the Uber, took the Uber back. It was like a four hundred dollar Uber. Um, <laughs> tipped them like seventy percent because they were paying for it, um, and then they refunded me. So that's kind of a different story. But after that, I was in St. Louis for a little bit. Ended up getting drafted by the St. Louis XFL team um, last year. I thought Long I was going to go play for the them. Battle Hawks. The Battle Hawks, yeah. Uh, that had to have been like October, November. Um, I thought I was going to play for them. And then I ended up getting a workout in Detroit um, the Monday after Thanksgiving. I had a good workout, and they signed me to the practice squad in Detroit the next day. And I was in Detroit for the last four weeks of the uh, last season on practice squad. Um, so that was cool. That was a cool experience. And then after that, uh, I had a, like a few months where I wasn't really doing much, just, uh, kind of enjoying the off season, not really staying ready just cause it is a long off season. And I was kind of bouncing around. I was in Colorado for a little bit with some buddies. I was in St. Louis, I was in Houston. Um, and then when the, when COVID started, the coach I was using in St. Louis had just had a baby and he was, uh, quarantining so i couldn't work with him anymore and i actually had some buddies that are kind of in similar situations guys that are on uh in training camp battling for jobs and fun are also in the nfl and they lived in birmingham alabama in a little apartment yeah and, yeah there you go and uh <laughs> so i went down there and i i lived in an apartment with three other uh nfl punters in the same complex there's another apartment with like two or three other guys we had like a real solid group of like eight to 10, like professional punters that we'd lift with and work <laughs> with and just kind of hang out. Honestly, like we had a really good time down there. The punter um, underground. Yeah. Did you, did you, when you brought I, people in, did you say like, welcome to punter dome? Yeah, I swear <laughs> it, it looked like it, like in our little backyard, we had a little like makeshift jugs machine. Like one of the guys in high schools had like a broken jugs machine that he put up together. Um, we had uh, like a bench press. One of the neighbors like saw us working out one day in the backyard one day because all the weight rooms were closed so we were working out in the backyard he was like yeah i got a old bench press in a um in a garage downtown if you want to use it so he gave it to us so we had a little bench press with some turf we had a bunch of rocks we were lifting <laughs> like it was crazy but it was cool this this sounds like the premise for a netflix series it really could have been man like it was, <laughs> just follow me around with a gopro guy. yeah so we had the uh the punter for the raiders aj cole was was with us uh Tyler Newsom was on Chiefs for a little bit. Uh, Ty Long's on the Chargers. Corey Vedvik's on the Panthers. So we had all these guys. Like, we probably had the most NFL punters um, in one area in the whole country. It was really crazy. Is there, like, are there, we're going to have this every offseason, like these punter houses cropping up? It'll be like Harry <laughs> Potter will pitch y'all against each other for points. Yeah, maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to go to, like, California or something if we had an option next year. Birmingham's great, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> we can upgrade a little bit. There we go. That's fine. It makes me think of during the during the off season they had I think it came out like after the, the major league baseball had restarted, but Justin Verlander and some of the stars and, and such had, had apparently been playing like secret sandlot games. And, I saw that. And, yeah, like do y'all see this? Bauer might have been part of it or something. Yeah, this is this is what I'm picturing now. We have this underground punting network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
which is is pretty cool because I mean I guess y'all are you know I mean I guess quarterbacks you can you can throw at stuff but a lot of the other positions like what are you gonna do with a bunch of guys that play wide receiver like you can't all catch it at the same time right yeah exactly and and seriously like not a whole lot of people know like the intricacies of punting like punters do so just being around other people that know like what you're going through even when you're just like working out is uh really uh was really a blessing and i got a lot better from it too so it was a good situation yeah just going through the the list of guys that you named out that have uh been in around and seen just about everything in the league so far it helps to not have i mean you obviously know a lot you're you're in that group but it ha- helps to not have to reinvent everything off season and you could just kind of take some notes of like hey teach me this piece or let me help yeah. you with kind of yeah. yeah exactly well that's pretty cool so you did It'd be great did to look s- back someday if, if it's the turning point in your career the spring you sin- spent in the punter conclave in birmingham i think it will be <laughs> i'm not, I, I mean, I've thought this from the beginning like covid was such a, a bad situation for so many people and i just happened to get lucky and it ended up being a really good situation for me with punting so uh yeah definitely a blessing in disguise just funny enough, because you know, like like you mentioned, if gyms aren't closed, then there there becomes no no. What do you call it, Carter? The punching punting conclave? punter conclave, yeah. <laughs> or punter? Do- I don't know. I I feel like I need to workshop some names for this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back. Well, you know, uh, eventually we'll we'll go sans pandemic. Well, I guess actually y'all aren't y'all aren't punter punter. What do you, what do you call it? now? Now I'm going fall into what do you call a gathering? Uh, of punters a flock a pod uh, a rendezvous uh, yeah. a punter <laughs> moot <laughs> no we have we have it from the, the rendezvous of punters yeah uh, oh man I, I will now now y'all have all have jetted off to uh i guess training camp you know you you did it with the chiefs last year of course this is year two so some experiences, different team, I'm sure, same, different, but then you have COVID thrown on top of it. What is it like trying to organize getting back to to Detroit and figuring all that stuff in the midst of everything yeah. that's going on? Um, so, yeah, I was in, obviously in Birmingham for a while, and then a couple months ago I came up to Detroit, and I was living in Matt Prater as the kicker on the Lions. I was living in his basement for like a month and a half. Um, just cause I had nowhere to stay and he was, uh, real nice and just said, if I need somewhere to stay, like he has a extra bedroom. So I was working out with him in Detroit for a while before preseason, before training camp and, uh, just practicing holding and making sure he's comfortable with me holding and all that. So I went from there. So I kind of like got settled in Detroit a little bit before training camp. And then uh, when training camp started, which was probably three weeks ago, um, I came to the hotel and, uh, yeah, I've just been grinding in training camp ever since. This is funny. You mentioned holding. I had a conversation with uh, with Drew Sabota, who's doing the special teams at, at Rice now, taking over for for Pete Limbo when, when you left. And we were, we were talking about your buddy Chris Barnes and the season he had. And he's like, you know what? I and there's there's one thing that I'm the only person here that's thinking about: who's gonna hold? Yeah, Chris is a great holder. <laughs> Chris, obviously, dude can punt, but that guy can hold too. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do. Did, did he say? I, usually, it's the punter, so I assume. Yeah, like Charlie Mendez. Yeah, I, I think they've. It's gonna be Charlie probably, and they've, they've worked out 
they had a handful of guys doing punting, and they they had a ha- yeah a handful of guys doing doing long snapping, in uh, in the little bit of spring practice that they did had. So he had everybody covered. Yeah, doing That's their uh, cross training and whatnot. So somebody will take over whenever they get back to uh, to kicking. And uh, I was actually I was looking through. Actually, where do we want to go next? We'll we'll stick. We'll, we'll get back to Rice in, in a minute. We want to talk a, a little bit more uh, about what's going on with you in Detroit. You had last year, you were in a competition for a job and and kicked pretty well. And it's the official stance of the, on this podcast that you might have kicked better than the other guy. <laughs> but you were. Uh, it was a very different situation going up against the guy who had, had been in the league for. Oh, shoot, felt like a hundred years, maybe a, a couple Pro Bowls sprinkled in there, and uh, you were the underdog by 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 a good margin. And your situation in Detroit, the guy who kicked there last year is gone, so it's a a wide open competition, if you will. How does that kind of change? I mean, you're very process oriented, and it's it's the punter thing. Like y'all y'all think in a certain way and then form conclaves. But what is what is your approach to a a very different situation? Uh, kicking in, in Detroit for a, a job that you know is kind of it, it seems neck and neck or almost there it's there's there's no incumbent if you will yeah um yeah I mean, just this year with the situation and from experience from last year I'm coming in a lot more confident than I was last year like I'm just more prepared my my punting is better than it was last year my kicking's better my holding's better so I'm just I'm going in confident and I'm confident right now um and also the guy I'm competing against was in college last year, so he doesn't necessarily have the experience. And um, Yeah, so I think my thing this year is I'm going in aggressive and um, confident and aggressive. Was that kind of like a, a surprise? Because, you, you, you know, I think coming into the NFL, you know, we were talking like there was a good chance like of, of you getting drafted and, and, and getting on there at the back and ended up getting to, you know, latch onto a pretty good situation with the chiefs. You were, you were coming up as, as one of the better collegiate punters out there making the jump into the pros. Were you kind of surprised at maybe how much you still had to learn or how, how much you've been able to grow? I mean, you were, you were what top five Ray guy watch list. So you knew what you were doing exiting college, but you, you mentioned you, you've learned a lot Were you kind of surprised at how much you've been able to improve, uh, you know, over an yeah. off season. Yeah. I definitely have. Um, I, mean, I, I was at Rice for four years, so I, I didn't have like a redshirt year. So I kind of just looked at it as like this year or last year was my redshirt year um, where I could really just focus on getting as good at punting as I can. And I uh, spent a whole year doing it. So just uh, really just focusing on punting has made me a better punter, obviously. <laughs> But uh, yeah, this makes sense. This is a rice podcast. <laughs> I like to keep things higher level. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think simply just punting more and spending more time on it has made me a better punter, and I'm feeling real confident about it. What's what's something that the average person watching football? Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess the average football fan probably knows even less about punting than they know about most positions, but. What's something that you think the average fan just has no idea is like on your mind when you're going out there for a kick or something? Yeah, it mo- you're right. Most people don't know anything about it. Um, I think 
I'll go at it from this direction. Like the biggest thing that you have to get better at from college to pros for a lot of guys is like how good your hands are, which people wouldn't think about punters having good hands, but obviously you got to catch the ball. You got to mold it in your hands and you got to make sure you drop it in the same place every time. And uh, so like NFL punters are like way more consistent than college punters at punting. But most of the reason is because their hands are so much better and they're also, their hands are quicker. So I think this last year, just like catching more snaps, like focusing on getting quicker hands, more consistent hands, like that has made me a better punter. And that's what makes NFL guys as good as they are. And I think that football fan probably just thinks that punter, the best punters have the strongest legs, but most times the best punters have the best hands. So I think that's probably a, a good one. This is that's that's really interesting. Yeah, that's not something I would have ever thought about. Yeah. I wouldn't know known where to start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you kick it and it goes. We, I we're mean, jo- we, we were joking about the punter conclave, but I mean, these are things that like we know <laughs> that average people just have no idea. So it's it's a lot easier to practice with other punters and practice with shoot like a quarterback. Ever just like audit a class in college, one that you like you were interested in, wanted to learn, but you knew you just you couldn't grasp it. This is what I would like to do with, with <laughs> the, the the tell all punter course yeah, <laughs> from from the Birmingham. Yeah, there you go. It's Birmingham it's so... Punters Academy. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it, people need jobs in the off season, right? Yeah. yeah. There you go. We, we it's it's funny because I, I think last year. Because, like you said, I mean, I've covered college football for for several for several years and have watched lots of people kick footballs, uh, but of course, don't don't know the intricacies. I think last year, watching it at Rice was was particularly interesting when when they said, "Yeah, we're going to use two punters," and I'm like, "But you don't do that because there's one, the roster it has one spot for for punter, and that's yeah. it." And they they went in and they had had Chris Barnes who who had the leg. And they had uh, Adam Nunez who kind of had the coffin corner like directional kicking down. And I was just like, what are you going to do that? And then watching it was it was crazy just watching the two of them punt because you bring in Adam Nunez and it just roll inside like the eight. I think he had like four kicks down inside the 10 or something like that, like something crazy. But it was just like it was like there's a little bit more to this than just kicking it. Like, yeah, maybe a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, and that worked perfectly last year. That was fun to watch. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of odd. Like you were like, I I think obviously the reason we were all so surprised at that is because like you almost never see anybody do that. But never. And, and like it makes sense in like the NFL, for instance, where like you're not gonna use another roster spot on a second punter. But like, you know, in college, you can have as many guys as you want with walk-ons, basically, and a lot a lot of punters a lot of specialists in general are walk-ons at least at first it's sort of surprising that you don't you see don't any see like often, yeah right like it's relatively common to have like not common but it's you, you see it plenty where someone has like a short field goal kicker and a long field goal kicker which like you were in that arrangement your last year um but you you don't see like the 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 boom punter and the control punter which it seems like something that might happen more often. I don't know. Yeah. I, the only other time that I remember seeing it was, I think LSU a couple of years ago had like an Australian punter and an American punter. So they had the American do like the longer punts and the Australian guy do like the Adam Nunez, like shorter inside the 10 punts. 
which it makes a lot of sense. Like if you have two guys, it's a total different skill. So if you can get two different guys to match master each one, it makes sense. So so bring us one side in the in the the kicker brain one more time. I, I you you've done punts, you can hold and, and you can kick. I know you're competing for the uh, the starting punting job, but how much of I mean, obviously you're you're not in the room making the decisions, but how much of the versatility and being able to do all of these different things is a, is a pride point for your game, and and how much of that is just an a just an asset of wanting to get better as a a professional kicker? Like, is there an expectation that if you're the punter, you are the de facto emergency field goal kicker, or is that kind of like if you can kick, that's great, but if not, you know? Yeah, I think. It's oh well. Def- <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely. Uh, like a, I'm definitely the backup kicker if I win the job. Like, um, you're right about that. Also, just like with kickoffs, like I obviously I punt and I also kick off. And I think, like when I can kick some field goals, like in warmups, like that makes my kickoffs better. That might just be like a mental thing, but like I like to kick field goals to warm up for kickoffs anyway. So it's something that I kind of work on anyway. And uh, yeah, I think anytime. This is just me thinking out loud, but anytime the NFL team can save a roster spot and maybe your kicker gets hurt for a week and they don't want to waste another roster spot on another kicker, maybe they can just use the punter as a backup. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Didn't somebody – was it – it's yeah, not it San Diego. It's Los Angeles, yeah. The, yeah, the Chargers did that last year. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy Ty Long was the guy that did it, and he uh, he was really good. Part of the punter conclave. Right, <laughs> I have to say. There you go. Now, did, <laughs> He has a fun story, too. He played in the CFL for two years. He went to UAB and then didn't get a good shot in the NFL and went to the CFL. There's the Birmingham connection. And, <laughs> it yeah, all comes yeah, back. Yeah, that, that, that is it, yeah. And uh, in the CFL, they only carry pretty much one guy to do kicking and punting, so he had to do both in the CFL. And then when he came to the NFL, he was ready for it. That's too funny. Okay, and then there's one other, one other now that we're talking about all of the, the secrets of the, the punting um, – aura behind you this is something that i've always wondered because i've always watched i feel like you know before the second half of the game at least in in college the specialists come out and they take a couple kicks and and do kind of things and this is when you know everybody's in their stands getting their hot dogs or their second or third beer or what have you and so nobody's really watching but but i'm sitting there in the press box and i'm watching and it feels like the the punters and the kickers y'all come on and then it feels like there's at least like a couple like 60, 65 yard field goals or something like something that like it just feels like they always go in. They might not always go in, but from the side angle in the press box, it, it looks like the the long kicks are just kind of practiced and, and put in. What What's the difference between being able to kick like a like the longest field goal you could possibly kick like a like a 65 yard or whatever during, you know, good, good win position like nobody's around you and actually lining up for for a, a, a real kick. Is that just kind of like I'm I'm getting the leg out, airing it out, max max strength to to get comfortable, or is like you yeah, know, I guess so. Something um, deeper in there. I don't know. I mean, like going out there for a long field goal always feels better in my mind. If you miss it, nobody really cares. Like most people aren't expecting it. <laughs> if they throw you out there for an extra point or like a thirty yard field goal and you miss it, everybody hates you on the sideline. So that's definitely not a good mindset to have, but that's always been my mindset of kicking field goals. So maybe that's why I wasn't very good at it. Is that the threshold? If it gets past like, you know, like 48 yards, you're like, all right, I, they won't, they won't kill me. Sure. Or like 45, <laughs> yeah, like 
in college probably past fifty. I'd feel good about that. In the pros now, you got to you got to work on your fifty three yarders or or what have you. Yeah, I mean that's not me, but like if Matt Brady <laughs> misses like a fifty two yarder, he's pissed, and everybody's pissed. So, but there's some precedent. Everybody thinks he's going to make it, so he kind of set himself up poorly for that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he, he, that he gets to keep the job because of that, so it's it's not all too bad, right? Yeah, right. right. It's kind of neat. Do you have the uh, the the inside track of now that now that you're in with the uh, chief resident field goal kicker for the hey buddy, put you putting a good word for me? Probably doesn't work uh, like that. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. Like, it's more just uh, making sure that he's as comfortable as he can be and he's as good as he can be because. I mean, as the kicker, like, he had the same holder for, I think, the guy before me was here for, like, six or seven years. Like, he, so Matt had the same holder for seven years. So it's obviously weird for him having two new guys come in and try to hold the, the ball for him. So just trying to make sure he's as comfortable as he can be. So he's part of your evaluation process. He's going and telling the coaches, I, I like this guy. He can hold her. I don't know about him. <laughs> yeah, it, it can come down to that. I'm not really sure if it will, but, yeah, it's probably part of it. But you're gonna hold the heck out of it. You've had yeah. you've had holding training in the punter yeah, conklin. I've been holding his balls all summer. <laughs> there you go. We're gonna cut that corner Wait. when we when we get our intro put together for the pod. We're gonna start with that. Yeah, perfect. So we'll see. Go ahead. When you're when you're holding, do you ever? worry about your hand getting kicked or does your hand ever get kicked no no i guess not with the like like praetor's probably praetor's probably good on this but like i don't know like did you hold in high school did you ever have a a kicker like nail you in the finger or something like that no because i was kicked in high school so yeah, okay there say, we go <laughs> that, that's that's always everybody's like first question everybody's like really wants to hold a, a field goal for you and then when they're about to do it they're like just make sure you don't kick my finger like there's absolutely no way I would kick finger. You got you got to miss it so bad, like it it that doesn't happen. See, I I trust you, but every time you know you're playing sandlot backyard football or whatever, and and you get the one to hold, like you just hold it there and you just like just close your eyes and, and pray. <laughs> in, in, yeah, in like backyard football, the holder always drops it, or he always takes his finger off the ball like split second before you kick it, and then you always miss the field goal anyway. So. Yeah, I don't understand that. Theory, of course, this is Jack Fox yeah. playing backyard football with with kickers, which <laughs> very on brand. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, it it sounds like I I know things have been been a world and when and you have a, a job to uh, win. Last time we were on, we talked a, a little bit about your your food set up in, in Kansas City and you gave some spicy barbecue takes for which you have not yet recanted. We'll give you a chance for that, but uh anything and uh anything that you've been able to uh get out to and kind of enjoy around Detroit. I'm I'm sure y'all haven't been, you know, prancing about and doing what you'd usually do and get to see stuff because everything's kind of locked down and you're trying I would feel like it would not be a good foot forward if you were the guy who brought COVID back. So obviously you're not yeah. doing much of that, but uh, any uh, any uh, what is it called? It's not not Gr- Grubhub or uh, Uber Eats food food scene. What is Detroit? I should know this. What's Detroit food? I should know this too. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure. 
I'm not um, sure there's. Yeah. Is, I don't know if Michigan is known for its culinary scene yeah, in general. Yeah, but yeah, with all this COVID stuff going on, I've been pretty bland. Like in the summer, I had Chipotle a lot, and ever since training camp started, like I've been really careful, like staying in my hotel room most of the time and eating at the facility and all that stuff. I just, just for fun, I googled it. Five authentic Detroit foods on your must-eat list. So All right, let's, let's hear it. After you win this job, you can go sample these and and tell us. So a Coney dog. Okay, yeah, which, there's, a bunch, there's a bunch of like Coney Islands around here. I isn't know. that like? So it says I thought Detroit, that was like a New York thing. It's like, a New York yeah. thing. Apparently, Detroit has some claim over it. So you're gonna have yeah. to figure that out. Uh, Detroit style pizza. What kind? Detroit style. That's uh, not a yeah. thing. It's like uh, it's a thick crust, but it, I don't know. I, I can't really explain it. It's like rectangular pieces. They're like real thick. I don't know. Not really my style. Okay. Then we got Boston Cooler, which has the name of another city that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. We're, <laughs> this we're, is, not okay. doing, we're not doing well on like distinctive regionalisms here. It's like this is Google. Oh, we yeah. Have, all, all our famous zip. foods are named after other places. <laughs> We got zip sauce and and double baked rye bread. <laughs> I'm incredibly skeptical about everything you just said. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the uh, the good news is you won't you only play half of your games in Detroit, and you'll be able to travel <laughs> to other places that have food. <laughs> yeah, I got some work Obviously. to do. Then I've I've never heard of half those things. It's a well, good thing uh, this is a, uh, a podcast for, for Rice fans and not Lions fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, I, you know, it's it's funny, you know, at least in, like I, you probably had, I don't know, maybe a dozen teammates from from Houston, probably like 40 or 50 from like Texas who knew Tex-Mex and, and real food and, and, and the pros like. You might have like a Detroit guy or like local state guy actually on the team. You know, I was about to say go ask one of your, your teammates who who knows the food. I guess you have some guys who have been there for a while who will be able to give you the scope on Detroit food, but a little bit different. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Next time I'm on, I'll let you guys know what I get. Yeah, there you go. And if you want to uh, send samples, my my address, I'll just text you and you can send me square pizza. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a Boston cooler. <laughs> Whatever that is. Say <laughs> so now I'm gonna have to. I'm 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 really curious. I'm gonna have to go look at it. It's it's a drink. There you go. I, I hear alcohol consumption is during, uh, during COVID quarantine. So. That's risen in the the Google search results. Who knows? That's pretty funny. Well, uh, we're we're sorry that you don't have Kansas City barbecue or Tex Mex have square pizza. So that is what it is. Uh, we do want to hit a, a one or two rice things, but before we let you off, I know that now we've you know it's only been a couple years since you were you were kicking balls at at South Main before you started holding balls professionally in Detroit, but uh, have you uh, had the chance to keep in touch with uh, everybody around here, former teammates, current guys, and, and kind of uh, broaden your, your either your punter network or just kind of touch base with, with guys who have continued building the program after you left? 
Yeah, I've, I've kept up with a bunch of the guys that I played with and then a, a few of the guys that are still on the team. I was in Houston this offseason for a few weeks, so I got to see a few of the guys and be in the facility a little bit. But, yeah, Campbell Riddle and, and Will Harrison and Nick McQuarrie and all those guys, I've kept up with most of the specialists. Ooh, this is good. We we recorded, so we're we're doing our our off season preview, right? And we did offense, and we did defense, and we did our fifteen minutes on the specialist before we we got you on the phone. So you can explain to this. Phil Steele has long snapper ratings. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine Phil Steele knows what he's talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Cam Riddle is is purportedly very good. I've watched him snap, and, and the punter catches it every time. That's how I judge a long snapper from yeah. from my naive learning. Is is there a was, we, was Campbell on that list? Yeah, he was second team all conference. Yeah, Phil Steele doesn't know what he's talking about. Campbell <laughs> Campbell was really good when I was there, and he's a true freshman. So yeah, he he's really good. I will write in. Say we trust your magazine, except. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your long snapper ratings are off yeah. that's too funny yeah well i'll tell you what i'm i'm just hoping i get to see cam riddle long snap this year and y'all can go play football up in detroit and everybody gets back to you know there's no sorts of normal but i just want football completely yeah. selfish i know this is your livelihood so you have a much more vested <laughs> interest in it happening than we do but completely selfishly, we'd like it to happen. Yeah, me too. Football fan is my job still. Like, I just want to see football. There we go. Well, it was a, it was a, a pleasure having you on. We, you know, last year at least we had preseason. I, I believe I had uh, some of your uh, friends and, and family that were sending me pictures from uh, Chiefs preseason games, and I was uh, putting up the uh, – preseason punting collage of, of you kicking Unfortunately, yeah. we won't have yeah. preseason games this year to uh to follow you which i guess is weird you're having i mean i guess you're you're doing the kicking anyways to audition but yeah, it's, it's definitely weird but it is a lot like college because obviously there was no preseason in college so it's it felt like a big college fall camp to me against a college kid yeah pretty much but he, it, I say this because he was not part of the uh, the punter rendezvous conclave. We'll get yeah, there. No. We're gonna. Yeah, you, you, you have s- access to secret knowledge that he hasn't yeah. been exposed to yet. <laughs> You're gonna have to send us all those guys' names, and we'll get T-shirts printed up. As long as we get one, <laughs> you can Photoshop us in the background. It's like these guys didn't really do anything or know anything, but uh, they can make T-shirts. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh. We did take up uh, most of your your free night from uh, from actually kicking and and playing football, but we we did want to say thanks and we we had a lot of fun talking with you and uh, wish you all the best in in your punting competition. And I would love nothing more than to be able to uh, turn on my TV and uh, and watch your hands as you catch. The, <laughs> yeah, we'll snap. be checking the hands. <laughs> yeah. Keep your eye on the hands. But yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I had a lot of fun too. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks again to Jack for for hopping on with us. Uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of fun with it. Hope y'all had a lot of fun listening. Uh, we'll be back next week and Rice Fight. 
This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.